Welcome. I'm Warren Odess Gillette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Casey Porter on May 17, 2022. Casey is an American record producer, singer-songwriter, arranger, and composer. He's been nominated for more than six Grammy Awards and winner of one, and he's also the winner of two Latin Grammy Awards. His father is the famous arranger Bob Porter. Casey has selected a number of songs to feature on the interview, and he explains the significance of each. I started the interview by asking Casey where he grew up and what was religious life like growing up. I was born in Los Angeles and grew up in a Methodist family until I was about seven years old when my parents found out about the Baha'i faith. And a few years later, I would be on an airplane with the whole family to Guatemala, where they decided they wanted to become Baha'i pioneers, which is like missionaries. And I spent the next 10 years of my life until I graduated high school in Guatemala learning the Guatemalan culture and Spanish and basically changed my life. So I was in Guatemala traveling around doing whatever my parents were involved in, in terms of the Baha'i work that they were doing, in terms of just sharing this new faith that they had found, the community at large in Guatemala. How did your parents find out about the Baha'i faith? My father had done some studying with a man named Russ Garcia, who was a really acclaimed music arranger that my father really looked up to and had studied his arranging books that have been and still are, I think, standard arranging, composing books used in, in colleges and music schools. And my father was really impressed by the whole concept of the oneness of humanity and everything that the Baha'i faith was about. So he hung out a lot with Russ, and Russ introduced him to a lot of the Baha'i community and a lot of musicians at the time. My father was working with Seals and Crofts. Yeah, it was kind of a group of music-making Baha'is. What really kicked things off for my father was when Russ Garcia told him that he had to go to New Zealand for a couple weeks. He was going to sail there with his wife and asked my father if my father could take over the Baha'i choir. For a couple of weeks. So my father said, of course, my father had been a, a singer in a, a vocal quartet called the Lancers very successfully. So my dad, as a singer, arranger, everything just was really great. So he was, he was a perfect kind of a match for him. When he got to the Baha'i Center, however, he saw the, the group of singers that he was going to be working with. And it was this beautiful diversity that just affected him so deeply that he just said, this is what I've been looking for all my life. This kind of true, you know, embracing all people of all background, you know, just without any kind of prejudice. And that was a big thing for him. And how about your mom? My mom was a little slower to embrace the Baha'i faith. She, I think, it took about a year for her to really figure out everything and, and understand everything. I don't know much about her upbringing other than I think she was Catholic. So I think that transition was little different. My father had come from a Methodist background, and both his brothers 
were uh, ministers. I wonder what yeah. their reaction was to your father becoming a Baha'i. <laughs> I think everybody's reaction is kind of like, has this guy gone crazy? You know, why is he leaving the United States and, and you know, this new faith that it was just everything about the Baha'i faith for some people is just new names and it's not as familiar as the names that we're used to and say the Christian faith. I mean, John, Mark, Luke, and all these names are very familiar, you know, even, you know, Jesus Christ. So the Baha'i faith has a lot of words, either Persian or Arabic. It's crazy because something like that can be misleading for some people. I understand because we are very comfort driven or oriented. So we hear strange sound sounding things and we might be turned off. But I really think that it's, it's important to really make sure that we dig in to really find out if you see something benefiting the world. I mean, like I think Jesus mentions by their fruits, you shall know them or you shall know me. If there's a, someone coming after Jesus Christ, if someone is doing something good for humanity, then I think that personally, I'd want to, I'd want to know more about that, that individual. Sounds like, Casey, that you were surrounded by music growing up, with your father being the musician that he was. Yes, I was surrounded by my dad's music making. He was a trumpet player, an orchestrator, a composer, and he played piano to be able to do his orchestrating. So, yeah, there was music all the time. And it was music, even at the dinner table, he would be kind of like (laughs) doing little trumpet figures in his head. Just the music just always flowed through him. And I feel it, you know, it kind of like passed on to me because everywhere I go, it's either something that I'm kind of generating when there's nothing going on or when there's something going on. When I hear music at a restaurant, I just can't help but analyze it and hear it and figure it study it and what chords are those and what's that progression and that singer is really out of tune or why are they repeating this so many times you know it's just like it's it's a constant thing that there's music everywhere anyway i I see beauty in musical sounds percussive everything that's going on a car can drive by and it's like you hear their tires (laughs) you know and i'm like yeah that's a song (laughs) There is musical beauty everywhere. Did your father's professional experience change going to Guatemala? Well, it was interesting. Once he got to Guatemala, no one really knew that he made music because he gave it all up. He gave all the music up and he said, what can I do? What can I work at in Guatemala? The first job that he got was teaching English because he was an English major in college. So I think because he had a degree... I think he was worried about that kind of, first of all, stability, but second of all, wanting to find a job that he could actually get. But then word got out and people you know, knew that he had worked with Ray Conniff or he had scored TV shows, like worked on Lassie and Laugh-In and Woody Woodpecker or things like that. So the first commercial I, I believe that he did was for like a cigarette commercial. And it was the coolest cigarette commercial ever in Latin America. You know, everybody was like raving. And I think it won awards. And and it was like, who is this guy? You know, so all of a sudden, my dad became the go-to arranger for all the Guatemalan artists or for the jingles for Guatemala, then Central America. And, and because Spain was like the big 
hub for commercials, but the studios were slowly getting better gear. And so all of a sudden Guatemala became like this little hub. And my father was traveling with Guatemalan artists to these international music festivals and they were winning the festivals. So it's like all of a sudden Guatemala was getting its name on the map. So my dad became a household name. He started his own band. He said that when he got to the airport in Guatemala, that the first thing he heard was there was a marimba, a live marimba playing like like these marimba songs, you know, and very folkloric. The chords were very simple and whatnot. But my dad said, he said, this is like Dixieland, but more like, you know, Smithsonian. <laughs> In a sense, you know, he didn't say that, but but he ended up getting this idea like, wait a minute, what if I take these Guatemalan songs that these very indigenous Mayan rooted music and make Dixieland arrangements of these? Hopefully you can dig up some of that because it's really beautiful stuff. And people in Guatemala loved it. Gradually, he started doing more with his band. He started doing more Latin music. That could have been soca music. That could have been Guajira music. That could have been cha-cha, tango, you name it. And before long, all of a sudden, my father's band was the big band that everybody wanted at their parties. You know, it could be the president, it could be graduations, it could be weddings, whatever it was. My father's band was the top band because he had the horns and and he had the singers. He had three women, three guys or two and two. My sister was singing. I was singing. My sister's boyfriend was singing. My brother's girlfriend was singing. My sister's best friend was singing. No, it was just kind of a really cool thing. And I would play piano sometimes. But the coolest thing about it was my father was always giving Guatemalan musicians a real push and really supporting them. When you listen to music coming out of Guatemala, I hear, and I don't know if others really notice as much, but I really hear my father's influence in it. I hear rock and roll bands with trumpet players, you know, stuff like that. You know, my father was very influential in getting Guatemalan musicians to solo more and like say, don't be afraid, you know, you got this and I'll write the solo out for you. And before you know it, there was a, a lot more self-assurance, you know, everybody felt much more confident in their own musical shoes. So that was great. What is your father's name? My father's name is Robert Porter, known as Bob Porter. Describe your evolving musical professional career from playing with your father's band i should mention also my father's band was called bob porter chorus and orchestra but he also had his dixieland thing which was paco gatsby so i guess if you google that you might get to hear some of the cool dixieland music but growing up around my father gave me a, a real sense of empowerment and i felt like i could do anything and he always validated everything I did. And I had a good a music sensibility. I just felt confident because that's what I saw. <laughs> everything my father did was so musical related. And if he, he was to go off to a little village to meet with the community there, then he would perform. And, you know, my mom would even come along and play the ukulele. And I love playing the ukulele to this day. But anyway, I felt very confident about being able to make music so much so when I would copy charts for the orchestra or the band when I was started arranging for him 
I would try to write my charts really fast because I saw him doing that. The funny thing was it, it just didn't translate. Just because he's doing it fast doesn't mean that that's how you do it. It just means that he's done it so much that he can do it. But I would, I would try to write these charts and my charts were just a total mess. And my father always said to me, he says, you want to make sure that everything is extremely clear. He would draw like a big red mark and have an arrow across the pages and then to that star at the other page because when he wanted them to go to that signal you know the, the ds he wanted to make sure that they didn't forget that because you know musicians are playing late at night they had a gig and if they had something to drink or if they're tired or whatever you know he doesn't want his musicians to forget where they are he wanted it to really be laid out he says you can never be too clear I got to play with this orchestra and studied orchestration or every chance I got, I would ask him, but I had my own little path. So I got to know people in the industry and they would say to me, Hey, do you want to work with this artist? I went more for the producing role, which is something my father did, but he did it more by default because he was directing and arranging and, but he didn't really want to be the person in the studio that was going to be coaching the singer and it, that was not his thing he wanted to just create the music and, and then get out right. <laughs> none, of the, none of the drama the diva thing you know that was not his thing so how did you get involved with santana once i got to the united states early 80s i was working with different artists and one thing led to another i started working for a m records and a m had lonnie hall Herb Alpert's wife, Janet Jackson, was doing stuff in Spanish. I got to work with her. And it's kind of like this one thing after another. Next thing I know, I was working with an artist. And then I was working with his wife from Puerto Rico. And her manager managed Ricky Martin. So then he called me and said, hey, you want to work with Ricky Martin? It's like, oh, wow, that's great. You know, I wasn't really actually that excited about it. But it was a challenge for me. And that was always something that I, I took as challenges. You know, people had a band and they didn't know what to do with them. So I would say, hey, let's try this. I'm flexible and I'm open and I think I'm easy to get along with. So Ricky Martin blew up. He had a song that we did, was number one in France and just blowing up. And Santana was in France and he saw Ricky Martin and how successful he was. And he reached out to my office and then he got a hold of me. The guys at the office thought it was a prank. They also thought it was a prank when Janet Jackson called. And I guess anybody who called <laughs> was a prank. But Santana says, I want you to do with me what you did with Ricky Martin. And I was like, man, like, let's do it. But I, I had a kind of a different vision. I wasn't so concerned about making big hit records. My goal was to just do something that really honored the artist's integrity and whatnot. And I love what Santana was all about. So we got to connect on a real cool spiritual level. I was working with my good friend, J.B. Eckel, who is a brilliant guitar player and a huge fan of Santana's. And J.B. was starting to develop his own production chops as well. So it was a really cool little synergistic moment that we had. Santana would come out to my studio in Calabasas, and then we would go to San Francisco and work with him up there. And it was just like a magical moment. But we were writing songs during the Baha'i Fast, a time of 
renewal and a time of material detachment and more of spiritual enlightenment. It's just a beautiful time. So we were writing these songs that really connected with Santana. Little did we know that the album would go on to be one of the biggest selling albums you know, of all time. And you picked Primavera as a piece to feature on the interview. Why did you select this piece? And then we'll play it. Yeah, Primavera was a song that hinted at this parallel of what the world is kind of going through right now in its spiritual development. It's kind of like a the time as we're approaching this beautiful springtime in the world where the blackened earth becomes a verdant garden. Everything is in bloom. Everything is renewed. And this whole time of renewed possibility and hope and light. And Santana would talk about peace, love, light, and joy. And just so much light was surrounding our lives, musically speaking. So this whole time where the world goes through this springtime, we feel like that's what the world is going through spiritually. We're kind of like leaving this dark winter, perhaps, and coming into this new era, like a seed that blooms and carries with it this huge tree or or this new era of beautiful spiritual possibility.
We're listening to the music of Casey Porter, an American record producer, singer-songwriter, arranger, and composer. He's been nominated for more than six Grammy Awards and winner of one and winner of two Latin Grammy Awards. And we just listened to a piece that he produced for Santana called Primavera. Another piece, Casey, that you selected is called Take Me Home from your album Where the Soul is Born. Tell us about this piece. Yeah, this is a very simple song. I remember standing in the kitchen with my ukulele and just playing these two chords. They just felt so organic and natural. I don't know. It's the song that just became a song pulling me to the light. A very simple song that I love it. And I think that's one of the important things is when you do music, you got to love it. You got to be able to sing it over and over again and, and not feel tired of it. Those are the kind of songs that I typically will keep. And hopefully, if you have to do it night after night, you're going to still enjoy it like when you wrote it. But it just felt natural. And when I played it for JB, the basic idea, he's like, yeah, let's do this. And then the verse came together. When you're going through this dark period, you want to be able to escape to a, a more beautiful place of light. So is JB Eckel featured on this piece? He co-wrote this song with me.
We're listening to the music of Casey Porter, an American record producer, singer-songwriter, arranger, and composer. He's been nominated for more than six Grammy Awards and winner of one and winner of two Latin Grammy Awards. And we had just listened to a piece that he co-wrote with J.B. Echo called Take Me Home from his album Where the Soul is Born. Now the next piece, Casey, is called Canto, and it's from your album Embrace the World, Volume 1. So tell us about this piece. Yeah, Canto was a song that J.B. and I had written for Santana. I think it was at the tail end of either the Supernatural record or subsequent records that we were working on. I think Carlos really loved it, but it's all about timing. I think we had the demo there and we just said like, hey, let's just put it out. So I put it out on my first record and then I ended up putting it on my second record, but I had totally redone it. I have a great friend that I work with in Miami, a guy named Juan Zambrano that He did some horn arrangements on this and just brought in his whole thing. Juan had worked with me on a lot of Ricky Martin stuff. I just loved his courage because he would just do stuff and just say, like, I'm going to stop the rhythm. So it's like, you know, like all of a sudden everything just stops. Like what? You know, but dancers love that. I'm not a dancer at all. So I'm not thinking about people dancing necessarily, but arrangers do think about that stuff because you can have that as a horn hit. We did that when I was working on Ricky Martin's song Maria. The B section, he says, Así es María, tan caliente y fría, tan caliente y tan si te quieres enamorar. I had this in my head, I had this, just like old Cuban mambo orchestras it's kind of like this call and response of horns and so we put that in the thing and everybody was just like what is this no one was getting it it's so funny how that all works because i finished the album that that song was on and that was his breakout single i went to sony to meet with the head of sony and the guy said no i love the record it's beautiful beautiful but that last song what would be the hit? <laughs> he said, that song is not him. And I was like, okay, wow, this is crazy. And I said, well, okay, fine. You know, so I flew back to LA and we did the mastering session. And I said, I'm just going to keep the song on the record anyway. And they can always cut it off. I'll leave it at the end. And that was the last I heard. And then the next thing I hear, like two or three months later, I get a call from a guy from the international division of Sony. And he says, Hey, Casey. And he's just very matter of fact. Yeah, so we're going to do the song, uh, Maria. We already did the Spanglish version. And I'm like, wait, 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 what? So the song's on the record? And he says, like, oh, yeah, it's on the record. And he says, and it's the single. And he said, it's going to be huge. And it, sure enough, that was the big song that blew up. And that was the song that Santana heard. And I remember flying to Disneyland Paris, opening the windows, and I could see people dancing outside. And they were dancing to that song, to our mm. song the dance floor was packed and this was right after the lambada was the big thing you couldn't go anywhere without hearing the lambada we're just like sick and tired of the lambada and it was so funny because the lambada came on right after that and it cleared the dance floor everybody left the dance floor. <laughs> so i'm thinking like wow if lambada cleared the dance floor then that must mean that we're doing okay with this new song something must be happening so i think santana may have experienced that but anyway that was really exciting to see that 
Crece lento sobre la selva La neblina sola se levantará Y con el sol naciente vuelve a renacer Toda la esperanza y posibilidad Ilumina Desde arriba Dame el coraje y la fe Y la verdad cantaré
We're listening to the music of Casey Porter, an American record producer, singer-songwriter, arranger, and composer. He's been nominated for more than six Grammy Awards and winner of one and winner of two Latin Grammy Awards. And we had just listened to the song Canto from his album Embrace the World, Volume 1. The next piece is Infinite from your album Where the Soul is Born. So tell us about this piece. I had found these words were so powerful to me that were written by Abdul Baha, the son of the founder of the Baha'i faith, Baha'u'llah. I just said, wow, this is beautiful. The words say love is unlimited, boundless, infinite. And I was like, okay, that's a beautiful start. I started digging through more of the words of Abdul Baha, and I was finding all these beautiful words about love. One of the things he said, we must find a way of spreading love among the sons of humanity. Let all be united in this world in the radiance of the limitless love. Love is unlimited, boundless, infinite. And that whole concept of love being something that is like when you turn on the water, you have this seeming flow of unlimited amounts of water, right? But it's interesting, but there is a finite amount of water. There's no limit to the amount of love on the planet or in the universe. And I think that that's something that's really important to consider because we can give love and there's no problem replenishing that. But it's weird because we can be loving to somebody or we can be upset at someone. But man, it's so much easier to be loving and it's so much more rewarding to be loving. It spoke to me and all of a sudden it's, it became a song. It's not that hard really to put music to words. I think that one of the tricky things is, are you ever settling? Are you compromising? If we settle for something that's okay, then it's mediocrity. But if you really fight for it to be without really beating something to death. You don't need to overdo it. You want it to be something that's beautiful. It's like at a level of excellence that it really could be or should be. And that's something that I've always tried to make sure that the melodies that I write, especially considering the lyrics or the words that I'm writing music to, are befitting. How do you put music to something that is divinely revealed? That's a tall order. So I think there's a responsibility there among many other responsibilities that we have as artists.
Listening to the music of Casey Porter, an American record producer, singer-songwriter, arranger, and composer. He's been nominated for more than six Grammy Awards and winner of one and winner of two Latin Grammy Awards. And we just heard the song Infinite. Casey, the next piece is called Can you pronounce it for me? La Pared. Can you tell us about this piece? This song is about the wall, which is what La Pared means. The idea of building a wall to divide people was being tossed around back when we were working on this new album. And all of a sudden, it started happening. They started building this wall. But the, the idea of this song was simply to tell the story of a family crossing the border and getting separated at the border. And we have a beautiful animated video that we did. But at the chorus, it just says, que se caiga la pared, may the wall fall down, pa que se junte mi gente, so my people can come together. Que se caiga otra vez, yo te lo digo de frente, may it fall again, I'm telling you straight on. It's just kind of like this speaking out against the craziness of building walls to divide us. It's something that's really powerful for me, and I wanted to keep that as my causes I really wanted to champion is really trying to keep us from becoming divided and try to really get rid of this whole othering mentality. pasan y otros quedan cada quien con su verdad ¿Quién le quita la esperanza? ¿Quién le exige regresar? ¿De quién fue la absurda idea de esa línea imaginaria tan difícil de Que se caiga la pared, que se junte mi gente, que se caiga otra 
Avanzando hasta que se caiga Hasta que esta forma de pensar no haya Yo prefiero espacio para la esperanza Solo así construyo un ritmo para el alma Pienso que el problema viene muy adentro Más profundo que oficinas del gobierno o el dilema Solo existe muy adentro Solo cuando caiga el muro cambiará su pensamiento Vivir división es lo que quieren de la gente Va a cambiar futuro, cambiaremos el presente No hay muro que divide más que muros de la mente Listening to the music of Casey Porter, an American record producer, singer-songwriter, arranger, and composer. He's been nominated for more than six Grammy Awards and winner of one, and winner of two Latin Grammy Awards. And we just listened to a piece called La Pared, which means the wall. Casey, do you have any projects in the works at the moment? Yeah, I'm working on all kinds of different things. What's really what drives me is to try to figure out how we can create connections, musical connections across the globe. It's not an easy thing, but it's something that we're trying to do. There are attempts to bring the world together musically, and, and there's something that I'm excited about right now. We're talking with some people about doing what we did for a number of years here in the U.S., which was the songwriting workshops, mentorship with accomplished or up-and-coming artists, producer, writers, but doing that where we're bringing people to other parts of the world to collaborate and to create music that speaks to our essential oneness, to promote unity, to maybe speak to gender equality. And a lot of things that come from the Baha'i faith, a lot of the principles have really been in, informing the work that I do. I'm trying to do things that are hopefully going to serve humanity and, and promote the betterment of society. And that's where I need to point my direction. How successful I can be at it, I don't know, but I'm trying, and I'm very open-minded and trying to find partners all the time, people that want to do that kind of work and doing whatever we can. Well, Casey, I want to thank you very much for sharing your work with us. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Warren. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Casey Porter, American record producer, singer-songwriter, arranger, and composer who's been nominated for more than six Grammy Awards and winner of one 
and winner of two Latin Grammy Awards. You can find his work at his website, caseyporter.com. We'll close out the program with one more Casey Porter song called Tanta Locura. You can find this interview and other interviews on the website abahaiperspective.com and on the YouTube channel Abahai Perspective. You can find the podcast on Spotify and iTunes. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website baha'i.org or call the number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on a Baha'i Perspective. Thank you.